Well, good morning to each one of you. Christian greetings in Jesus' name. As we think about our Sunday school lesson and handling God's word and um, teaching truth, it's something I often think about as I prepare for a message, especially. Um, it's not quite like Sunday school where you kind of get to toss ideas back and forth and um, you don't necessarily get cornered quite as bad as you stand before a, uh, a congregation and preach the word. And so it brings with that a, a I don't know, a, quite a, a humbling responsibility. But what a privilege it is to, that God has given us his word that we, we have the privilege of knowing him as our Lord and Savior. And as we follow him, we can, we can know the truth, and, and the truth does set us free from sin. Some time ago, I, was, um, I attended an aviation safety, um, not really a seminar, but a, a talk given by a, a, an aviation enthusiast, I guess you might say. And this person goes around to different parts of the country, and he goes to crash scenes, and he evaluates airplane crash scenes and tries to figure out what happened um, that caused any given number of accidents to happen. And so in this talk, he brought out a point that was I had never really thought about before, and he pointed out that in the U.S., this is the U.S., there hasn't been a commercial plane crash in over a decade. And that is a staggering statistic, really. Um, over 8 billion people have traveled safely to their destinations. And you start and just ponder that for a minute. Uh, that is a staggering statistic. And that statistic isn't because it just happenstance is happening. It's because some people have made some decisions to be diligent about something. Now, on the flip side of that statistic, in general aviation, that's smaller airplanes flying for, uh, well, not carrying people um, Commercially, I guess you might say. 30 people die every month from accidents in, in general aviation. And that statistic has remained fairly even through decades. And, and that's an interesting statistic to observe. Why that you know, with all the technology and so on and so forth, that every month, 30 people die. And we, we, we can't get better at that. And that's in general aviation. Why the difference? Well, this person's observation is that commercial aviation has learned and has made changes from their past. Whereas general aviation hasn't really beefed up their program at all. And 
it's kind of like you going and getting your driver's license. This is general aviation. So when I go get my pilot's license, there's a test you take. And there's, it's basically a proficiency test. And you need to check the boxes. So when you go out and drive, you, you have boxes to check. Uh, well, you don't, but the person riding with you, um, they, they make sure that you can do a U-turn properly, and they make sure you can parallel park, and they make sure you can do uh, follow road signs, and do all those things. And that's good. But what general, and that's more the general aviation side, but on the commercial side, <clears throat> What they've learned is, is a scenario-based training. That, in other words, it's not just a, a list of competencies, rather anticipating what may come and how to react to that. Therefore, that pilot that landed the airplane up there in the Hudson, that didn't come as a total shock. They had trained for that back there in a simulator somewhere. Yes, it was miraculous, really, that he was able to land that uh, airplane, that jet in the Hudson, and all those people survived that. But he was prepared. He had went through scenario-based training. You know, when it comes to your and I's spiritual journey, spiritual life, you know, there are, there are many unforeseen circumstances that come along that may steal or dampen our, at least they threaten to steal and dampen our joy of our Christian journey and our, our walk with our Lord. You know, and so while life is extremely complex and the answers at times seem vague at, at best, there are probably only a handful or less of areas that can cause spiritual fatalities to our own spiritual well-being. Now, what I didn't tell you yet is that what this uh, aviation enthusiast, enthusiast uh, observed as he goes to these aviation um, crash sites, there are probably, there are, he has it down to there are 20 things that the reason that person crashed and died and there's probably only about five reasons that airplane crashed and, and killed those people. And his observation is, is that out of those five, many of those, most of those incidents could have been prevented if, if those pilots would have been trained a little bit more, just not simply their gut reaction to react in the time of emergency. And you know, when it comes to our spiritual journey, I'm not so sure if you look, if you look at the crash sites of people's spiritual journey that, that give up or for whatever reason um, don't remain faithful to the end. I wonder sometimes if it doesn't come down to about a handful of things that if they wouldn't have been just willing to work through, the outcome would have been different. And we don't want to, we can't, we don't have time to look at those this morning, but just a few. Jealousy, shame and regret, fear, unforgiveness. 
You know, we can't make the choices for those around us, but we can choose our own path, which can and does affect those around us. And you know, so often our own joy is stolen. I don't know what to say stolen, but our own joy is, is, is not in us because we spend so much time looking at our neighbor. And we see what they are doing, and it can, it can, it can so easily consume us. And those things have different ways. In James chapter 4, it talks about this. And it's talking about you and I, Christians. And it says this, Where do wars and fights come from among you? They do not come from your desires for pleasure that war... Do they, excuse me, do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you know, not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. It doesn't say here what all the problems um, may be, but it alludes to the fact uh, I mean, even alludes to the fact that, you know, many things are probably okay. But there becomes spiritual calamity when we allow a wrong motive to take foothold in our lives. And, and that's what the writer was, was getting at here. They, were, they began to look at one another's lives and saying, I, I want that or... or this isn't fair, there's, there's, and when they begin to do that, it, it skews um, what God wants for us and what's, what, wants, what he wants to do with our lives. And verse, um, verse three there, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. It's, it's kind of like this. It's very simple. We get done and we've all had first at our meal and there's a few leftovers and there's two pieces of meat left over and the plate goes around and, and one person takes the second to last piece and then the next person takes the last piece and the last person is even grateful for the last piece that they got rather they look at the, the piece that the person right before them took and it's like, See, you got the bigger piece. And now all of a sudden, both of our joy is gone because we're, we're, we're looking at what the previous person got. If you just could have put those blinders on and saw what was before you, you think you would be grateful. And that's kind of, in a nutshell, what can happen in life. Where do wars and fights come from you come from among you?
The, the statistics of aviation that I just shared with you are so more important in our spiritual journey. And I think they, the statistics can be similar. Jesus tells us that one of the greatest struggles in the end times is that people are going to be lovers of themselves. And this isn't something necessarily new. God's people have struggled with that all through time, and we will always, but in whatever way, it's, we know that it's not going to get any easier as the end of time approaches. And I just want to look <clears throat> briefly this morning at one of these pitfalls, and that is grudges. Now, I'm going to take a little bit different approach this morning, and I want to, I want to do it in such a way that maybe not only helps us to think about this aspect of our Christian life and grudges that can actually cause us to crash spiritually, but the approach this morning is going to be a little bit like scenario-based training. And what this pilot um, observed, uh, when I say pilot, this aviation enthusiast, enthusiast observed, he's a pilot as well, is that, well... <clears throat> The reason he's so passionate about this is because one day he got a phone call in Atlanta that uh, he said, I got a phone call that said, you know what? So-and-so was just killed in a plane crash. Would you come to the site? And it was one of his best students that he had trained to, to fly. And so he goes out to the to the crash site, and the crash site is just a mile off the airport runway. And this was devastating to him. You know, so you think about him being an instructor and, 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 and rolling back through his mind. Here was a 20-some-year-old man, and, and here he done, and then crashed, crashed and killed himself. And you go back and you think about what an instructor might think, like, you know, how was he as a pilot? Did, did I miss something in training that he that he didn't catch, and, and what happened that he crashed? Did he just not make a good decision? Well, what, what, I, what he believed happened was on takeoff, um, we'll call his name Joe. Joe lost, lost power. And, and for whatever reason, he stalled the airplane and crashed. And so the instructor was just, you know, like, how could this have been averted? So the FAA was... Uh, obviously got involved, and so um, this instructor, he's like, you know what, I think this is what is happening. What's happening is when we, when we as pilots face an emergency of the loss of power, our instinct is to pull back and not to push forward. And so what happens was when you lose, the instant to lose power, the instinct sort of pull back, therefore we we stall the airplane and then crash. I think that's what happened. That's what the instructor's thoughts were. So he took the FAA um, guy and he said, we're going to go up and we're going to practice what happened to my student. And this is what's going to happen. And so um, this aviation enthusiast, he went up. He had the FAA guy flying the airplane. 
And they're going to just fly up and they're going to get to an altitude and they're going to practice this. They're going to practice what happened down low on the ground. And so the aviation enthusiast, he's sitting there and he's got his arm on the windshield. And what the FAA, FAA guy didn't realize is that he had reached down there and turned the fuel off. And all of a sudden, as the aviation enthusiast, he's there just talking, having a good time. All of a sudden, boop, the engine quits. And what did that FAA guy do? He pulled back. And they stalled the airplane. Even though he knew what was coming. And what they learned was that unless you train yourself to not react that way, you're going to do it. You know what, brothers and sisters, spiritually speaking, we live in the fallen flesh. And while, yes, the Holy Spirit gives us the power and the strength to overcome sin, there are some things that take process over time, and we have to train ourselves not to just go there. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. You know, there's so many times we, we know what's right. But the minute you walk out these doors and a situation presents itself, it's easy for us, for our reactions, not to be what they should be. And if we go throughout life and we don't get a hold of some of those things and go against our flesh and, and don't do what's right, we're going to crash spiritually. And that's why general aviation, the statistics, every, every month, 30 people are killing themselves. That's not all the total reasons, but I think there is some truth in that. So this morning, we're looking at grudges. And so one of the things that we may think in life is that we're not good at memorizing and, and some, of the, some of our questions sometimes is, how do you overcome uh, the flesh? How do you overcome doing what isn't easy to not to do? Well, we talked about in our Sunday school lesson, knowing the word of God. And sometimes I think it's, it's we don't emphasize, it's not, we don't ingrain, don't understand Maybe that's the word, the, the, the power of God's word. And just immersing ourselves in it and, and knowing it. The psalmist talks about um, always having God's word on his lips and in his mind and in, in his thoughts. And it needs to be ours as well. And one of the ways we can do that is through just um, reading it time and time again. Especially in the areas where we struggle. And it's amazing as you ingrain this in your minds, how then it can help you to react when those situations present themselves. And brothers and sisters, that's part of the power of the Spirit of God. Okay, so grudges. And the first point is don't do it. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. Now, I would like for three of you to read these verses. And so, just doesn't matter, any one of you, uh, just read these verses and we're going to read them three times. Go ahead at any point. Someone else? We'll stop with that. But keep keep repeating that. Be angry and sin not. There are a thousand reasons our anger may be aroused. But remember, it's not our right to get even. Yes, our, our, our anger can be aroused for injustices, uh, for, um, you know, th there's good things to be angry about. But it's not our right to get even. Secondly, it's, it's a, a wrong response of anger as we, as we, build up a, 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 an anger to get even and, and, and that builds on itself it, it, it not only drags us down but that anger begins to be hurtful to other people we do have a responsibility to uh, To what is right. But vengeance is not a part of God's program. Romans chapter 12, verse 19. I want to I want to read that verse. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves but get rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So as we think about grudges, we could look at all different, we could do, look at numerous passages, but let's be careful that our wrath, it's not our wrath, that we're taking out on others. Secondly, let it go. Well, before I go on to the second one, I, I wanted to mention this aspect. The, the Bible actually doesn't use grudge very much at all, actually. And, and so what actually is grudge talking about? I mean, couldn't we just use the word forgive? I mean, forgive and, and grudge actually go 
pretty closely together. But when I'm, when I'm thinking of grudge, I'm thinking more of the noun tense of the word, which means a persistent, a persistent feeling of ill will or resentment resulting from past insults or injury. And so grudge is kind of the, what, what comes out of us when we don't forgive. And so that's kind of, I should have said that before I kind of got into this. That's kind of what I was uh, thinking about this morning. And again, it can be a, grudges can be an extremely fatal um, uh, thing to our spiritual lives if we don't handle it properly. So don't do it. Don't let it go there. Secondly, let it go. Turn to Ephesians 4.31. And it's just a little bit further down there. We could have read more of these verses in between, but I, I, I want to just get verse 31. And we're thinking about we're struggling. We're struggling with getting even with someone. Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe it's, it's jealousy. Maybe it's who knows what it is. Again, there could be a thousand reasons. But we're, we're helping to train our mind not to crash when these things keep coming to us. So what are we going to do? We're, we're scenario-based, right? So we're going to God's word. Help us. Ephesians 4, 31. Our instincts are going to be to pull back, right? We're going to, we're, we want to pull back. But no, we can't do that. Ephesians 4.31. Let's have some read. Let all Thank you. Another. Someone else. You know, this is what we need to do when we begin to struggle with this. Does this solve all the problems? No. We still have an emergency at hand, if you will. But as we, as we attempt to allow that wrath to, to go, to let it go, then it helps us to properly deal with the situation at hand. But you can guarantee if we allow these things to take hold, you're going to crash spiritually. Colossians, I want to read a verse there. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 says, Bearing with one another and forgiving one another, 
If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. So let it go. Life is full of um, different circumstances. We rub shoulders closely in many different situations. And as the scripture teaches, we need to help one another. And so we need to value that, but we also need to learn to let go of the hurts of our past. And you know our world out there is full of so many hurts. And one of the things so many people are crashing spiritually and not really even giving a chance for recovery is because, number one, they're allowing themselves to be hurt by the grudges. They're, willing, they're not willing to, uh, they're, they're allowing their anger to build. And then they're not willing to let go. So then, thirdly, what is there to do? There is a void. And that's the other side of this. It's not just about reacting. It's not like also these situations come upon us and we have to push down. But then what? And that's the third point. And that is be kind. Be kind. And that's the next verse. And so let's read that. Someone, go ahead. We need three people. And be kind to one another, and to honor, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. Thank you. Another. And may you all be working put on love, with hands and all together in perfect unity. Someone else? We could keep reading that. And you know what? Think about that. You keep reading that. Maybe every morning as you're struggling. And by God's power through his Holy Spirit. He can help you. As you struggle. Because. This thick skull sometimes. It, it takes a while. It takes a while to push against that natural reaction. To not love. Romans 12, 20 and 21. I want to read those verses. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not become overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. You know, it's so sad to see the pain in the world from people holding grudges. But it can so easily wreak havoc in our, in our own spiritual life. It threatens to steal the joy that could be there. 
And you know when the joy is stolen from us, it, it makes life miserable from those around us. It, it's easy to sit here and talk about, and, and the minute we walk out the door, uh, it becomes really becomes practical. But don't, don't forget about helping yourself. This can help train ourselves to push against what we're facing. I was talking to a conservative a businessman, and he was giving me some counsel. And he shared with me about his experience. Years ago, he had a hired man. And as part of the agreement with that hired man, they had a, a non-compete aspect in this so that this person couldn't just, the things that he learned by working for him, that he couldn't just jump ship and create a, a competing business. And so... But needless to say, they had this agreement in place. And needless to say, after several years of working together, this man left his business and started his own business. And not only did he start a competing business similar to what he had done and were working in, he went and took several of his employees with him. And you can imagine the amount of feeling that that would generate. Um, this guy did me wrong. He had perfect legal grounds for action, for legal action. So what would be the right or best thing for this man to do? And especially as men, well, all of us, but especially for us as men, we, we want to fix. We want to fix the wrong. Rather than make sure our own response and course of action is righteous. Don't forget that. It's, it's, it's so often that we want to fix the wrong rather than make sure what I do is what's right. And so what was this brother to do? And so often in the process, our focus gets drawn into how we are the victim, we have become the victim, and how to bring justice rather than simply forgive or let go of the grudge and do what we can to allow God to work with whatever we can't control. Now that's, that's a lot there. So often in the process, our focus gets drawn into how we are the victim and how to bring justice rather to, than to simply forgive or let go of our grudge and do what we can to allow God to work with whatever we can't control. It doesn't mean that we can't appeal and perhaps try to make some kind of plea, but I think that needs to be secondary to being willing to letting go. So what did this man do? It was a huge blow for his business at the time, but this man made a decision to not... Um, go after this man in any kind of way. He just, just let it go. And the other company actually did quite well for a spell. But at a pivotal point, I don't know what all the dynamics were, um, this company, his competing company, began to develop a, 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 a questionable re reputation. And at some point... Um, 
this, this, the, 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 the fellow that I was talking to, his company actually ended up taking that company over. Almost seemingly um, being blessed with twofold for what could have taken place. You know, it's because of the fall of man that we are so inclined to settle the score. And we need to train ourselves. Now that makes it sound like it's, it's, a, it's a me thing. And it, it's not. It's, it's a God's work in our life. life. But it's partly how we apply ourselves to, tr- to training ourselves um, along with God's help to not allow ourselves to go there, to let it go, and to be kind. It's amazing the, 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 the freeing effect that that can have on our lives. And I just love the story of Joseph. And bring that point to a close here this morning. I think there's, there's no better than, than that story. And I, I want to read you uh, some familiar, just a few familiar verses of Joseph. And, you know, Joseph could have been the victim. Joseph had a long list of, of hurts. But he was, he was able to, to not allow anger and rage and to, to build up in his life. He was able to let it go. And on top of that, he was kind. And the amazing, amazing the, uh, that if he didn't do that, he would have crashed spiritually. But it's amazing the, the freedom that that then gave him. And we see that at the end of his life. And I want to read Genesis 50, verses 15 to 18. Then his brothers, this is kind of at the end of uh, their dad's life. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face. They fell down before Joseph's face and they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant it evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring it about as it is this day, to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones and do not be comforted them and spoke kindly of them. Oh, wow. What a, just a tremendous um, uh, testimony here. Sorry, I didn't begin there in verse 15. Let me read those verses as well. So when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil for which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph, saying, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke of him. You you know what I believe just swept across Joseph? He had done that years ago. And, and just, well, I mean, he was probably just overwhelmed that they had come to the place of repentance. But here his brothers were all those years. They had carried that burden. But you know, Joseph had let that go long ago. Not that he didn't still struggle with that thing through the years, no doubt. 
But wow, what a story of, of reconciliation and the power that it, it did. So I trust this morning that um, we can um, think about um, grudges, maybe that specifically that topic, but then also at large as we think about uh, allowing God to work in, a, in our lives through, through training ourselves. And, and to, as we face life circumstances, um, to, 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 to know this. And there's, there's passages that can help with the areas of, of our struggle to keep us from having spiritual calamity. And that's the statistics. The statistics, the statistics tell us that if, if we don't follow this, we're going to crash. But we can go against that by God's power. And we can know the, that we can make it safely, even in the dark times in which we live. Let's sing a few verses of song with our song leader leads.